Morning. I guess you guys heard that I spit, huh? No, one's, no one wants to sit right here. You know what they said? They said, don't talk negatively about somebody unless you walk a mile in their shoes. Well, I realized today that it doesn't take a mile. It takes 30 feet. It makes a huge difference whether you're sitting there listening or you move 30 feet this way and you're facing the audience. So I have much appreciation for the pastor who has to preach every week, day in and day out, whether we listen or not. <laughs> it really focuses you on the message because I haven't thought about anything else since he asked me this many weeks ago. Shall we bow our heads? Our Heavenly Gracious Father, we love you for giving us the message. We love you for giving us the Son, and we love you for giving us the chance for salvation. As we talk to you, and as we talk about your message, please be with us. Send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts that we may be receptive to your word. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. I was watching Glenn do his thing, and he gave me a wonderful idea. If and when I have grandchildren, I want to make sure that I have bells in the kids' shoes so that way I'll know exactly where they are when they're walking around the house. So thank you, Glenn, for doing that. Today I'm going to talk about commitment. The other day I was with a small group and Eunice was talking about a guy named Elon Musk. Do you know who that is? Okay. He's a gentleman who started PayPal and then he sold it for a billion dollars. And then he went on to continue with Tesla. He also started SpaceX, which they have just uh, built the world's largest uh, rocket, which is about to take off, I think, February 6th or 9th. And eventually he's going to send his Tesla car to Mars. He also is environmentally conscious, so he's got a solar company. He built batteries for homes. He also has a boring company that actually puts, uh, digs tunnels underneath the ground to have, what, what, what he does is that the cars actually go on a little sled, and then those cars then go underneath the cities so you can go from one end of L.A. to the other end of L.A. in 15 minutes. So he, right now he's, he's, he's dug a hole underneath his own company and he's digging it to uh, LAX so that he can bypass all the traffic. <laughs> and his thing is that this sled should be able to travel 150 miles an hour so that he can go anywhere. Also, he's the one who gave an idea of hyperloop. That is, 
Have you had experience where when you go to some offices or doctor's offices, when you put a little tube inside, these little long tubes, and then there's a vacuum, and then you press the button, what happens? And it, it shows up at, at the other side. And that's, that's what he wants to do except with human beings. So it's going to take 45 minutes to go from L.A. to San Francisco. Because you're going at about 700 miles an hour. China actually is trying to do better than that. And their thing is they're going to make a system that would go 4,000 miles an hour. So everything is getting better. Everything's getting shorter. So you can live in the middle of America and travel to the other end within a matter of very quick, short period of time. And Elon Musk is doing all these things, and he's one person. And Eunice said, as far as she knows, I, th- I think he's an atheist. So why is he working so hard? Because he has one mission, he said. It's to make life better for the next generation. He has a goal that he wants to achieve. And his goal is to make life better for the next generation. And she said, I am a Christian. I have a goal. I have a mission that was given to me. And that is to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth so that end will come. And she said, as a Christian, what am I doing? Commitment is, is, is a very hard work. A lot of you guys are committed. You guys are committed to going to school. So if you're committed to going to school, you're committed for at least a few years, four years, six years, eight years, uh, professional school, at least four years, residency, anywhere from three to five to seven years. But there's a beginning and an ending. And then comes another commitment. And that commitment is a relationship commitment. And nowadays, people are very skittish about committing. And women don't like that. It's like, why don't boys like to commit? It's like, it's, it's driving us crazy. They don't want to commit. And so they ask one of the boys, what are you afraid of? Why can't you commit? And one of the boys said, do you realize that 50% of the marriages last forever? <laughs> He's like, that's a long time. Why, why would I want to commit something like that forever? But eventually they end up doing it anyway. There's no other image in recent history that captures the heroics of the word commitment than the 64 Japanese workers who worked at Daiichi nuclear power plant. You remember what happened then, right? March 11, 2011, there was a 9.0 earthquake in Japan which created a 33-foot tsunami. It killed a lot of people, destroyed a lot of a lot of things, but also what he did was he destroyed the nuclear power plant. 
and the radiation was leaking out. And somebody had to go in there and do something about it, shut it off. Who would want to go in there to the nuclear power plant that was destroyed and there's radiation? It was certain death. But the 64 of those employees got together and they talked all night and all day and said, we have made our decision. We will go in there and we will try to shut it off. Even if, even if you die, because this is for the nation. And that's what they did. They gave up their lives so the country could be saved. They tried, they couldn't. But how many things do you believe in enough that you're willing to give up your life? There are certain commitments that require changing your lives, and that happens to us with our first child. Well, talking about child, I would like to announce birth of Elle, Justin, and Mary, and their grandparents are here as a representative. I hear that baby is doing very well and everything's okay. But when we found out about our first child, it wasn't that happy. Well, it's not that we weren't that happy, not, not because we weren't happy that she was pregnant. Because she came from work and she had a rash. And she never gets a rash. And this rash look like a little bit, it's like a little bit of dew all over her body. So we found out that she had chicken pox. And so we're like, uh-oh. Because she was exposed to chicken pox before and she didn't have any problems. But now, she has, looks like what looks like a chicken pox. So immediately, we went over and tested, got a pregnancy kid, and we tested, and guess what? It was positive. And first thing we did was, oh my goodness. So we called high-risk OB at Loma Linda, the best OB-GYN person, and said, this is what's going on. She has a rash. We think it's chicken pucks. What do you guys recommend? And she said, there's a high likely chance of varicella syndrome if you contract chicken pox within the first 20 weeks. It affects the ectoderm, which means pay, the child can be born with brain damage, problems with the limbs, and problems with the eyes. And she said, if I were you, I would not have this child. So what do you do? I mean, it was early enough that 
we could do something. So instead of being a happy occasion, it turns out to be a very, very stressful. We called everybody we knew. We looked on the internet. We did everything we could, but no one could make that decision for us. What do we do? Because there's no guarantee what kind of baby we're going to have. We prayed and prayed and prayed, and finally, we said, whatever happens, however it turns out, we are going to carry this baby to term. And when that day came, when Melissa was born, oh my goodness, it was the most nerve-wracking day of my life. When the baby came out, uh, we can test her brain, so as soon as she came out, we looked at her arms. looked okay. And I started counting her fingers and toes. I've never been so happy to be able to count only up to five. <laughs> I'm like, thank God. Again and again, I had one, two, three, four, okay, one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, one, two. I counted over and over again. There was only five. And there was five. Once something like this happens, whether it be relationship, whether it be having child, it requires huge commitment. Oh, by the way, congratulations. There's a child in their lives too, so it's a huge commitment. How about being a Christian? What kind of commitment does it need? As a Christian, and especially as a Seventh-day Adventist, what does it mean? Does it require any commitment? When we say we're Christians, we're aligning ourselves with God's purpose and God's ways. Our goal is to discern his plan, his purpose for us, and to fulfill those every fiber with every fiber of strength that we possess. So I looked at Seventh-day Adventists to see what have we done as a church to accomplish that goal. So let's look at this. We were established... In 1863, next, we have 28 fundamental beliefs, which was adopted in 1980. We have 20 million members all over the world. We have 81,552 churches, 70,000 companies, 175,000, next. And of all, these these represent 100% of Adventists. And look at the bottom, it says NAD. You know what that stands for? North American Division. Represents 6% of Adventists. Look at this right there. ECD, 
and SID. Those are African divisions. African divisions represent about 40% of Adventists total. You know how many Adventists there are in Korea? 250,000. You know what's the population of Korea? Anybody? 50 million. Do you know the um, population of Japan? Do you know how many Adventists are there in Japan? Guesses? 15,000. What's the population right now in the world? 7.6 billion. Do you know how many people are being born every hour? 150,000. There are 360,000 babies are being born every day. And 132 million babies born every year. From 1863 to today, 155 years, Adventists are 20 million out of 7.6 billion people. And we have 132 million babies every year. Do you know how many Catholic, Roman Catholics there are? Right now? What do you think? 60. 60 billion? Okay. <laughs> they, want, they want it like that. There are 1.2 billion Roman Catholics and about a billion Muslims. Do you know how many Facebook members there are? Facebook? Close to 2 billion. About 1.86. We've been around for 155 years and we have 20 million members. Do you know how many members are there in the United States? Adventists? 1.2 million. I think there'll be about 2 billion Catholics soon and they think there'll be more Muslims than Catholics in about 10 to 20 years. So yes, we've grown. But we haven't grown that much. We've been charged with spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. But Facebook in a few years literally has conquered this world with two billion. And those are practicing Facebook members. (laughs) 
When we are committed to something, it comes with a price. It's not free. If you want to go to school, say, dental school, you have to put four years into it and 80,000 times four, right? If you go to dental school or pharmacy school or any professional school, you have to pay. You know it comes with a price. What price are we paying to be a Christian? Because we know what price Jesus Christ paid, right? He was a God who sacrificed himself so that we could be saved. And he came to give us that chance to be saved. So what are we giving back to him? What is our mission? What are we doing? It was amazing to see 35 people who came here last week when we had the leadership seminar. That's amazing because they are starting to give back. This entity, church, cannot exist without volunteers. And it cannot exist without sacrifice. What Pastor Richard does for the church, you cannot pay for. Literally, he gets paid peanuts for what he does. But he loves what he does, and he sacrifices so much. Pastor Isaac, whenever he was with Colin and my son and his group, he would always pay for the kids. Like, like he doesn't get paid much at all, but he feeds them because he wants to feed not only physical, but spiritual, and he wants to be their friend. Our leaders do so much to help the church. But there is no way our church is going to be able to grow if only the leaders are participating in the growth of church. When you do things that require commitment, it needs sacrifice. And the person that personifies that the most is Mother Teresa. How many of you know who Mother Teresa is? What is she known for? Known for her talent? Is she known for her wealth? Her intellectual prowess? What is she known for? What does she do there? She went to Calcutta. Do you know where Calcutta is? It's probably the worst slum in the world. And she took care of the poor people. So what gives her the strength to wake up every morning in the stenchiest, the worst place in the world to say that I'm here and I will dedicate my life to these people who have nothing I gain nothing. So they asked her, what, what gives you strength to do what you do? And she pointed to the poem that was on the wall of the one of the children 
and it's and it's called anyway. Have you heard that poem? People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness makes you vulnerable. Be honest and be frank anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build it anyway. People really need to help, but they still may attack you even if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world your best and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world your best anyway. We are children of God. Here we are in the United States. We're free to worship God in this wonderful sanctuary. We have hope. We have salvation. And we could inherit the kingdom of the earth. But there are so many who do not know Jesus. 132 million every year. They don't know about his love. They don't know about the salvation. You know, we're building our church, but our work does not stop after moving in to the brand new church. Church is a gift from God to further the work that he's going to do. His work never ends until every single child of God accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So, why is it so important that we do this? Because we're serving God. God who came, became a man, sacrificed himself to save us from the sin and restore us to the original state. And until that happens, God will continue his work with or without us. How many of you have gone on a mission trip here? Hands up? Mission trip. Our passion for mission is rooted in spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because we're at Loma Linda, I've known a lot of people who have dedicated their lives to mission. For example, you guys have been to Bolivia. Uh, Dr. Dozong Kim. I went to school with him here. He completely gave up his practice to dedicate himself to the mission trip, mission field. And they're still there, and they want to finish that work in Bolivia. Commitment, committing yourself is a verb. It requires action. And commitment 
You take, it takes learning, it takes patience, it takes practice, it takes persistence, it takes immersion, it takes knowledge, it takes curiosity, it takes consistent application of the tasks at hand. If you can be consistent, then you can be committed. Faith cannot grow if you do not practice it. And the best way for faith to grow is making sure that the faith of other people grow as well. So this is a promise that we can make ourselves. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to sell everything. You don't have to give up everything. But please promise to do this. Spend more time getting closer to God than spending more time for ourselves. Pray daily and and meditate on his words so that nothing can break your commitment to God. Give all your mistakes and sins to Jesus and press on, have a closer relationship with him and others. Be just as enthusiastic about salvation of others as salvation about yourself. Show everyone that, that you meet the love of God, the God, love that God has shown you, for God is love. Proclaim yourself as a child of God, not in words, but in deeds. There are 20 million of us. They say, if we spread gospel to one person a year, if each one of us spreads gospel to one person a year, we can spread the gospel to the whole world within 10 years. Look at this word here. Keep going. What does it say? With 132 million babies born every year, with only 20 million people, it's, it almost seems impossible that we can spread the gospel and, so that Jesus can come. But when we have Jesus, the impossible becomes I am possible. With Jesus, everything is possible if you believe and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Today, it's my sincere prayer that we recommit ourselves to Jesus Christ and accept his charge to spreading the gospel of the kingdom to all nations so that we can hasten his coming and we can worship him and praise him in new earth and new heaven. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you very much for giving us the gospel. Thank you for, very, much, very much for giving us the joy of getting to know you. Help us to recommit ourselves so that we can hasten your coming that we may spend time with you in new heaven and new earth. We ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.